0: Welcome to Get Up in the Cool, Old Time Music with Cameron DeWitt and Friends. This week's friend is Christina Vane. We recorded this a few weeks ago in her home in Nashville. Before we get started, I just want to remind my banjo playing listeners and my listeners who are aspirational banjoists that I have an instructional video series over at pitchforkbanjo.com and I teach online and in-person lessons. It's actually easier than ever to schedule a lesson with me now. Just go to CameronDeWitt.com banjo lessons and pick a time. All that's linked in the show notes. Let's play some banjo. Stick around afterwards to hear how to keep up with Christina Vane. But first, here's our interview and jam. Enjoy. Christina Vane, welcome to Get Up in the Cool.
1: Thanks, Cameron. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. Uh what did we what did we just play?
1: Pretty Little Shoes.
0: Do you know who that's where did you get it from? That's the most important. So
1: I heard question. a fiddle recording by Dan Gellert. Oh. Very
2: and
1: good. I actually haven't looked up other versions, which is terrible. I'm a bad student, but um, I just sat down with my banjo and was like... His version is so much groovier, too. It's like, oh, i got this like really backbeat, scratchy kind of feel going on. He's um, really good
0: at groovy banjo playing, isn't well, he?
1: Well, uh, he's on fiddle, but... Yeah, oh, he's on fiddle. I just Very like, good. transcribed just a more square version <laughs> with a lot of like, how do I make this happen on the banjo? Which was kind of hard for me at my level, but I love that tune so much. So thanks for playing with me.
0: Yeah. So I... I think I was first aware of you from seeing your, uh, videos on YouTube and Instagram and things like that. Uh, and then I ran into you at a jam, I think two years ago or maybe a year and a half ago in 2021 in Nashville. And I was like, Oh, oh
1: yeah, I know yeah, you yeah. from
0: the yeah. internet. Totally. Great! <laughs> <Right. laughs> How long have you been in Nashville? Um,
1: I've been here for f- Four and a half years, pretty much. Why did you live here? So, um, if there's a little bit of a story there for sure. I, um, I was living in Los Angeles for four years and I kind of hit a wall as like a person, but also as a musician. And I thought about quitting and mm. I was doing all the things wrong I was comparing myself to other people and I was getting really just depressed and
0: LA seems like, um, a good place to hit a wall. Yeah. Is that? It's so
1: frustrating because I love a lot of things about living in LA. I loved being by the beach. I loved the natural landscape around LA and all the things that were within a few hours drive, the food, the sunshine. I love all those things, but, um, it is a very, it just is, is nothing like Nashville in terms of the music scene and the community and the sense of community. Yeah. I found a really good community in Venice to be fair But it wasn't one that was sort of, I don't know, it's just not the same. Anyone can tell you that, even from an outside perspective. Nashville has this...
0: Venice, California. Venice,
1: California, yeah. Yeah, we'll get to that in a moment, yeah. Anyway, so I um, decided that I needed to maybe just get out of L.A., and I had never really toured except up to Santa Cruz a few times. So I planned this five months, I called it, like, the grand adventure... And I lived out of my car and on people's couches, and um, I was pretty new to the whole thing, so I had a lot of days off. It would be like, you know, one or two shows a week in the more remote areas, and sometimes three or four (laughs) if I was like in Asheville or something. But I would stop at national parks in between, and it was like a, a very formative moment for me. And that's when I first went to Nashville, my friend who no longer lives here, my very old friend, Like lived here. I stayed with her for, I think, two weeks in Nashville. And then when at the end of this five-month journey, I was like, I have to leave LA or I will never leave. And I also want to get closer to the heart of these things that I'm really passionate about. Delta blues and old time music had sort of taken over my life uh, in the last, in the years right before that and i felt like it was really hard to get in touch with those things from la and i was mostly like playing in my room or researching on my computer yeah trying to find jams like and there were all-time jams but i only had like one friend my age who played that kind of music and the delta stuff was even harder like to sort of figure out and going to mississippi and going to the south and all these places was like eye opening and i was like all right i need to go do my time basically so i moved here and it's it's been everything I hoped it would be really in that sense. (laughs) Yeah, it was a rough transition, but totally worth it.
0: Which, which came first playing old time music or playing Delta Blues?
1: Delta Blues did sort of by happenstance, which just seems to be the theme in my life for some reason. Um, I was back in Europe for the summer in college, my last year of college.
0: Where, Where did you grow up?
1: So I grew up Between Italy, England, and uh, France, Paris mostly is where, like, I did a high school and my primary school in Paris, and I was born in Italy and did middle school in Italy, and then when I was young, I lived in England for three years, but my dad was living in England when I was in college in London, so I went home, and I was like, you know, I think I might want to be a musician, for real, because I already was a musician in my heart, but I meant professionally, I needed to see if I could, like, play gigs and what that felt like and looked like, so when I was telling this story last night to a friend and it just cracks me up. I went around with paper CDs, like resumes uh-huh. and physical CDs to bars and was like, hello, like let me play music at like your a bar. Like job application. Literally. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Literally. and just like walked around my neighborhood in London or, or emailed some places that were further away.
0: What were you playing at the time?
1: I was playing what I call like folk pop rock. Sure, yeah. Literally just like songs I write up on my guitar that were influenced by Alanis Morissette and the Cranberries and yeah, Bonnie Bear yeah. and Great. The Strokes and Kings of or whoever I was listening to at the time and I hadn't discovered like any folk music yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean the closest thing I came to is like the soundtrack from Into the Wild you know where they had oh. like <laughs> Angel from Montgomery and things like that but I didn't even know that John Prine wrote that song back then. So, uh, yeah, so I got a gig and saw this guy during that summer, I got a weekly gig at this place in Camden. I saw this guy come through playing lap slide and I thought that was just like the coolest thing when I was too lazy to try and learn the lap version. I was like, I'm not doing that. Can I play it just like normal ways? So I looked into it and I taught myself how to play slide before I ever knew anything about Delta blues. Of course, not that that's where slide comes from, but it's pretty heavy in the genre and, um, then like a year goes by. I've even like written songs in this slide style and learned open tuning and stuff. And a year goes by and then I moved to LA, I graduate college and go to LA where my brother was living to try and be a musician. And uh I stumble somehow onto Rory Block, who is this unbelievable guitar player. Um she's really, really like just a in total inspiration for me. She's done tribute records to Mississippi John Hurt and Skip James, which is the one that I found. Mm. And she just plays like a maniac, like she's so good. So yeah, when I found that Skip James tribute, I was like, what is this? And that led me to Skip James. And then I did some digging on like Led Zeppelin's In My Time of Dying, which is not obviously their song. It's an old traditional and uh Blind Willie Johnson's was the first recording that that really I think was recorded actually. And that led me to Blind Johnson. That was this rabbit hole that kind of started everything with that. So the Delta Blues came first. And then I was working at McCabe's guitar shop in L.A. And they have a really strong folk tradition there. And I actually, you probably know Gina. I was friends with Gina Leslie, who was living in... Venice Beach at the time with me. I don't
0: know Gina Leslie.
1: Do you know Dom Leslie or Sam? They're both no. really wonderful players. They're, I think they grew up more in the bluegrass tradition. Oh. She knew how to play claw hammer and she taught me.
0: My oh, first girl. claw
1: hammer move. And then I went Which, to the caves. Your
0: first claw hammer... Just
1: like the basic bum, bum ditty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and I drove everybody insane at McCabe's cause I would just take the banjo off the wall and practice. Like when there's no one in the shop and you know, yeah. how what that else sounds. You, do? you know, people were just like, Oh my God, kill me. <laughs> 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 and that's how that started. So yeah. So then it's been a long, long road since then, I guess.
0: Hmm. Well, what do you want to play next?
1: Uh, I would love
0: to hear some, uh, guitar playing at some point. <laughs> uh, oh but, yeah.
1: I can grab yeah. the guitar at any point. Um, yeah,
0: let's do let's do another tune and then yeah we can save that as at least a treat for later if not multiple what can tunes. I do?
1: Could I, can I tune down to do Duck River? Mm-hmm. Sweet, I love Duck River. We'll do that. You it want to do that, Great. Right. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard Brittany Haas's recording oh, sure. of this. Yeah, yeah. sure, so I of like course. to play it like pretty, prettyfied and. Great. Let's, let's be
0: pretty.
3: <laughs> Only one bunk note.
1: That was good. My bunk note to be very clear.
0: When did you transition into playing traditional music and to what extent is songwriting still a part of your your life and part of your performance?
1: It's been a sort of long transition. I mean, initially, it would have been in L.A. that I discovered, you know, both, like, the 1920s Delta Blue stuff, and then I got a mentor at McCabe's who taught me fingerstyle guitar and started to throw in some, like, Travis Pickens stuff. Um, And then the banjo came along, and I started to learn tunes, you know, Angela and the Baker and Clock Old Hen and all of those kind of standards. Um, But... It wasn't until like 2018 and my first year in Nashville after that long trip that I mm-hmm. talked about where the concept of a standard or like a, a shared traditional yeah. really landed, which sounds like, how did you not understand that when you were learning old time music? In my mind, it was like, this is Angeline the Baker, not like, oh, there are 7 million ways to play Angeline the Baker right. or 7,000 John Hardys. Right. And it wasn't until I traveled a little and went to New Orleans and was playing with a friend and... You know, he played, like, this really interesting version of a song that I, th- like, maybe it was nine, I don't even remember the song. It might have been, like, Nine Pound Hammer. One of the things yeah. that I had learned with my teacher mm-hmm. that was, like, this is Nine Pound Hammer. And he just, right. was, like, put in some different chords or whatever and, like, played it jazzier. And I was, like, wait, what? And it started <laughs> I to I thought click. it was a
0: specific series of, like, strokes and notes and Yeah, rests. kind yeah, of. Yeah. Because
1: I had grown up exclusively listening to music. That was intended to be original, like unless it was yeah. specifically a cover of someone else's original song, mm-hmm. well, I guess I had also not realized that some of these were covers of standards sure. yeah. right because I didn't know that they existed, but rock bands, indie bands, songwriters like Bonnie Vare, like these people it was like they wrote Holocene, maybe they wrote it with someone else, but it wasn 't like Holocene existed around, and then they did their version of it, so that just took a while to really sink in and when it did it was super fascinating um the first time that crept into my personal songwriting was like pretty recently when I just used uh one phrase which I was like can I am I allowed to use this is just um if I lose let me lose which is just in all kinds of folk music right and it was really fun for me to just be like I can use this too like we're all part of this shared history, which is something that's really beautiful. And um, I just stuck it into my original song because it was communicating what I wanted to communicate. So I've taken a lot of like musical things that I've learned from those styles, but those aren't specific to standards, you know? It's just like picking styles or motifs or whatever that might pop up in blues or, or other things. But yeah, the concept of like traditional music and shared tunes was just like mind-blowing for me and and that's been mostly something i kind of cultivate separate from my songwriting i would say like i like to go to jams and learn more of these tunes and you know and some of them are tunes that we all play now but they were still maybe written by a specific person and learning about like the slippery hill catalog and all that was like oh I can actually like look at up. So they're not all just these nebulous, like everybody sure. tunes. Some of them actually are like from some person or whatever. But yeah, it's been, it's been a journey with that. Like it's, it was very confusing for a minute for me. I was like, what do you mean? Bluegrassers play nine pound hammer. And why they put this weird chord in there? Like what's mm-hmm. going on? <laughs> like it was really cool to come to Nashville and see it all come together. Cause I'm friends with country people and bluegrass people and old time people. And, and then all this stuff I learned from the blues or just country blues or and stuff, I was like, oh, these are like, it just changed my understanding of how music was codified and like sort of, of course, we need genres. If you can't see my bunny hands, like mm-hmm. we need genres, sure, whatever. Like, yeah, it's nice to have an ordering system. But so much of that system was like race-based in the beginning and totally arbitrary Sure, and you know divisionary divisive i should say and um and not to mention that like there was a time where it just you can trace these songs to like different geographical areas and that is like responsible for why they sound that way was just what blew my mind more was like oh you can get this one song that was very popular and then somebody took a train somewhere and like played it for a bunch of people in texas and suddenly there's a western swing version and then like someone else went over to you know and that was, like, super cool. I just think that's really exciting about music.
0: Yeah. The, the culture that I was raised in around, like, music and consuming music and writing music, mm-hmm. uh, you know, or performing is that you're either going to make something sort of completely original mm-hmm. or do a cover.
1: Totally. Yeah, and exactly.
0: then, you know, so when I got into traditional music, I tried to, like, explain what I was doing to some people they're like so you're like a cover band (laughs) (laughs) and I was like that's an interesting question not
3: exactly
1: (laughs) yeah it's hard like for all intents and purposes which is why I think what Jake Blunt does is is so awesome he he like blurs that line pretty masterfully you know between that concept of like Maybe there's a part of this that has been around for longer than we yeah. have, but there's so much of him in all that music too. I think he's a good example of like the space that exists in between those yeah. things.
0: I think they used to exist in like the music industry as well. It's like the concept of people weren't necessarily saying, Oh, I'm doing a cover of this song. They're just like this I'm going to perform this song. Absolutely. And, and then sometimes that becomes sort of yeah. the main version that people know. But, yeah, like, when we were growing up, I feel like I I was sold a a very specific idea of, like, individualism and, like, authenticity and, like, the idea that you would play someone else's song was, like...
1: uh, We were sold a lie, basically. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) When you think of, like, Elvis, country music, you know, of course, I think rock music is where it wasn't so much of a lie, honestly. Like, there was a little, not rock and roll, but, like, later rock music maybe there's a lot more originality there but i mean a lot of the people that are total icons like Frank Sinatra i don't you know he didn't write all those songs yeah. he wrote some of them Hank yeah. Williams didn't write all those songs him and Roy Acuff the, like wrote a bunch and most of country music is people covering great songs one after another until one of them like hit the charts you know and then that's the version that me 30 50 years later is like Elvis wrote "Blue Suede Shoes" and I'm like no, yeah, he did not. It. It's like <laughs> Carl Perkins did, you know, or even Hound Dog, right? I mean, yeah, it's not Big Mama Thornton.
0: Let's play another tune or song. Yeah, or maybe do you want to play an original? Yeah, song song?
1: sure, definitely. I have one that's kind of easy to catch on. To okay, if you'd great. Like, play with me. I would
0: love to. What, what's this song?
1: This is one that I actually haven't released yet. It's like oh, a new song.
0: Yes. gonna be a cool exclusive. Yes. Yes. Actually,
1: yeah. Exclusive yes. premiere. Um, And a lot of my recent sort of writing and journey inwardly has been about reclaiming where I'm from because it's a confusing thing that has You're from caused a lot me. Of places. Yeah. It's caused me a lot of like insecurity and right. confusion and especially moving to a, a city like Nashville, which is. A lot more, not insular, but full of a lot more people who are from a place, like through and through, than yeah. like maybe LA or New York and places where it's a lot of movement, a lot of expats, mm. a lot of internationals. Here, of course, there's a lot of people from different places, but a lot of those people were like born and raised in Kentucky or born and raised in Ohio yeah. or born and raised. And I was always so jealous of that um, and mm. feeling lost in my own sense of like where I'm from and who am I. But this song is kind of like a. A reclaiming of my own space and history Great. and all that stuff. So it's called uh, The Mountain because I was born at the foothills of the Alps. <laughs>
3: a piece of my ground I watch you and how you speak belonging is a I watch you to work. gorgeous thank you
0: yeah and what a what a thoughtful idea for a song um thanks what is it like growing up in europe as sort of like a pan-european kid Did, did you grow up with a lot of those feelings as well or did it just kind of happen when you moved here Because the United States isn't really good at nuanced
1: identity. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes and yes. Okay. Um, I would say that it was already confusing because I, what what they call people like us (laughs) is third culture kids.
2: Third culture kids, yeah. And
1: so that's kind of this concept that like your parents are both of a different culture than the country that you live in. And my parents happen to be also different cultures from each other. My mom's Guatemalan. Mm. Born and raised, and my father is Italian-American. Yeah. And they raised us in Italy and then England and then France. Yeah. So, you know, living in France, I spoke speak French fluently, like enough to pass as a French person, for sure. Um, but I wasn't. I just never was. I was sure. never fully French. I was never fully Italian. I was never fully English. So this thing has been plaguing me for like a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I do think instead of celebrating that or finding a way to celebrate it, it just gave me a lot of anxiety and like yeah. discomfort. Mm-hmm. Um, and the sense of longing of like, you know, um, when a lot of people would be like, what are you talking about? That's amazing. I'm so jealous. I was like, of course it was an awesome experience to sure. be, you know, in different places and experience different cultures. But there's something I've always been envious of is that people that can, you know, that had a family doctor growing up or mm. friends since they were in first grade or right. things like that. And, and you know, it has made my relationship with old time music and, and Delta Blues alike like a little bit cautionary because I'm like, do I have a claim to any of this right. being from the outside? So right. it's a really complicated thing. And only recently do I feel like in the last year that I started to kind of. You know, I don't know if we can swear on here, but like you can swear all the cases, just be yeah. like, fuck it. Like yeah. I'm from where I am. Like I can't go back and change that. And I right. want to be ashamed of it. I'm happy that I got to experience these things and maybe I can just take a piece of all of the things that I liked best, the most magical things and get my identity that way, you know, and connect with with these countries, even though I've been here in the States for 10 years, which is also part of my heritage in a weird way. Like right. I grew up here, but I'm American. I'm half American. I have a passport and everything. So, yeah. mm-hmm. um, it's been a wild ride. <laughs> it's just been really like interesting. And, and I feel as though I've spent a lot of time as an observer, especially when I was traveling around the States, kind of understanding this country finally and being like, all right, what's this side of my heritage? Like, but I'm tired of feeling like I can't claim it for myself as well and be a part of it instead sure. of just like on the outside looking in. So that's kind of what that song mm. is getting at. It's like, all right, it's my turn. Why don't you guys listen to me, motherfuckers? Like
0: <laughs>
2: this is where I'm from. And
1: we have baguettes, and it's great. Yeah.
0: <laughs> hmm. Something I appreciate about the lyrics in your song is that you're talking about your your body, like being like, uh, born in a place, you know, and like in that place being a physical feature of the landscape, as opposed to an, a national identity, you know, like a nationalistic ident- identity or like an ethnic identity that's, yeah. that's, um, somehow like immutable or something. You're like, well, maybe like my personality or my like Maybe my identity has more to do with my own experience, like in my own body next to this mountain. Mm-hmm. And maybe that could be more important to identity building than um, saying certain pledges of allegiance or saluting yeah. certain flags. Or- you know,
1: from a young age it became logically impossible for me to be aggressively nationalistic because I was like, for which country this makes no sense. Like yeah. the, the world cup was the perfect yeah. sort of like who <laughs> do I root for? And then if that team Guatemala, is out, okay. I can root for like three other teams. Right. Like my, is it my bloodline? Is it because my bloodline right. has a lot of different European, you know, people. So like Germany, Britain, Spain, stuff that I don't have an identity with in the real world. Is it where I was born? Cause yeah. I haven't lived there in 20 years. Is it, you Know etc cetera, etc, cetera. and I have nothing against people that feel proud of where they're from. Yeah. I just find it pretty silly to imagine that that pride or those values come from the country. Like, even within any country, sure, there are just a myriad of different ideologies and different people. And I think your community and like your family and yeah, the places you were raised around, sure, like the country's kind of nice to feel united behind something. But as someone who hasn't had that privilege, I'm like, Meh. I also see that a lot of people get united in a really scary and evil way. Yeah. And like, <laughs> yeah, that's right. the other end of that spectrum. I'm not interested yeah. in that argument. I'm like, <clears throat> I also am really not interested in people who, who can't hear criticisms about where they're from, because I feel like I'm in this place <laughs> where I can criticize everywhere, including places I'm from. Cause I'm like, yeah, well, I love this about this place, but this thing is kind of whack. Like, let's let's look at that. And people are like, no, we'll go back to there. I'm like, which one? Yeah. yeah. Which one do I go back to? Yeah. You know? <laughs> so I just find that, yeah, the patriotic nationalistic thing, which is very strong in Europe too. I'm not even really talking necessarily about the States. Like mm. the French sense of patriotism and nationalism borders often on like fascism and, and far right. And so does Italy. That's where fascism is from in case people forget, like, (laughs) so, um, you know, so there's just that same idiocy everywhere. And it's just, uh, hard for me being like so far removed from that conversation. And also like, you know, tiny little bit of an anarchist in there. He's like, Mm. this is all made up. These borders aren't even real. You can just step across it and it doesn't change anything. (laughs) Like the air is the same on both sides.
0: And the Alps is such a great example of that because my understanding is that there are a lot of different countries that sort of have ownership bigger
1: than countries it's bigger than countries and it ends up being divided you know you're on the italian side of the alps you're on the french it's like okay i don't think the mountain cares like right (laughs) yeah oh half of me is italian and half of me is french i'm like oh my god i am the mountain full circle (laughs)
0: so cool i love that Good songwriting Thank yes. you thanks, And Cameron. such lovely banjo playing too
1: Thank you uh, I'm working on it
0: Well uh, I think we have time for One more And then we should After that Talk about where people go To Yeah Buy your music And follow you And all that stuff And then we'll close With, with one But is it, is it time for guitar? guitar. Yeah guitar? Like, What
1: kind of Something? Do you want like a Travis picking tune? Like a standard? Or Like an original On the slide? Or...
0: Uh yeah, let's hear a standard. I would love to hear your I think that'd
1: be playing. fun. Yeah. I wish I'd do 9-pound hammer after all that.
0: Yeah, good. Should you do this as a solo one? or, or do you? Do would you, you, wanna... you like to play with me? Yeah, I think I've out
1: of E once. though. Right? I
2: like E. Cool.
1: The 9-pound hammer. Well, it's not true because i told you the bluegrass oh, played yeah. it, and i was like what the hell is this <laughs> <laughs> but i never played it with claw hammer
0: that's yeah. <laughs> cool that's
1: very cool
0: uh christina i love your singing and you're playing so well
1: thank you so much
0: it's so so lovely to hang out with you for a minute
1: same here thanks
0: for um including me in your risk calculation as you're about to go back to europe and Thanks yeah, for understanding.
1: I, yeah, I was absolutely. like, you know, an hour is one thing.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but yeah, I, I couldn't, you know, I also have to put this in there and you can edit this out if okay. you want. But Get Up in the Cool is like legendary to me. So I, at that jam, I didn't know who you were. And I think I already told you that at the jam. I was like, wait, my it all clicked after. I mean, I told you at IBMA. But my brother and I got into old time music at the same time oh, great. and he was the one that's like, you should really listen to this thing, get up in the cool. And that was like before any of this world was real for me. Mm-hmm. So this moment is really special to me, but uh. even just meeting you back then at the jam, I was like, Oh my God, wait, that's them. And it was just very cool. So when you were like, do you want to, I was like, yes, you know, if I get a little bit sick from this, <laughs> it's worth it. Oh. <laughs> I also listened to a lot of episodes and I was driving after we met at that jam. I was like, oh. I'm, I listened to a few back in 2017. When my brother, you know, told me about it. And now I was like, Perfect. There's, like, all these people that I have since come to know, like, Mm. my name, and I get to hear these cool conversations with them. So the work you're doing is really special.
0: Oh, uh, thanks so much. That's so uh, lovely and encouraging. (laughs) Honored to be a part of it. Well, um, where do people go to follow you and book you and buy your stuff and anything else you want to mention?
1: Um, The best place is... Just Christina Vane music on Instagram Great. and that's Christina with no H. No uh, H. No H Vane like a weather vein music. Um there you can find, you know, my booking agents information and uh my email is ChristinaVane Music at gmail That's a good place. But I'm on all the, the socials, so Facebook, TikTok, which is the devil, and uh-huh. YouTube. I'm all I'm on all those under Christina Vane with no h. <laughs> cool. Yeah.
0: Thanks so much for doing this.
1: Thanks. Thanks for having me.
0: What do you want to do for our final tune or song?
1: Oh, we get one more? Yeah. Sick.
0: And then we're also going to do a bonus track, if you have mm-hmm. time. If mm-hmm. we're still not time.
1: Mm-hmm. I have time. Okay, I'm great. I have to make good decisions. Um... Back yeah. I really
0: like that yeah. too. I I could back you up on guitar if you want. I don't know.
1: I feel like it'd be cooler to have you okay, like rock out on the banjo and Great. fill up all the fancy space. That okay. I can't. <laughs>
0: we'll, we'll get fancy. Follow Christina Vane on Instagram for links to her tour schedule, recordings, booking, and merch. I put a link in the show notes as well as to her Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok. You can support this podcast at patreon.com slash getupinthecool. That's also linked to the show notes along with links to my banjo lessons, my band, my other podcast, and Get Up In The Cool merch. That's all for now, friends. Thanks for listening. Come back same time next week to Get Up In The Cool.